0: Welcome back to another episode of The Basement Breakdown. My name is Hayden Adams. I'm the sports editor at The Observer, joined tonight by associate sports editor Jimmy Ward and senior sports writers Ellen Geyer and Charlotte Edmonds. uh, Coming off of a 42-26 Notre Dame win over Florida State on Saturday. Um, Aiden could not join us, uh, so I will recap the game, me and Aiden talked a little bit about it on our Instant Reaction podcast that we put up on Sunday. But um, Notre Dame was rusty coming off three weeks of COVID, but uh, not. it was not in the way that would have been imagined. The offense looked better than expected, minus a, uh, a fumble on the second play from scrimmage um, that gave FSU a short field. The defense was the one that looked a little rough. Um, I know Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa played a good game. Kyle Hamilton played a pretty okay game by his standards, but, you know, he was coming off of an ankle injury, so you can't really uh, blame him too much for that. Uh, Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams showed out. Each of them had over 100 yards on the ground. Uh, Williams had two touchdowns. Tyree had one. Um, Javon McKinley had a huge game, 107 receiving yards. Uh Michael Mayer caught his first career touchdown. Brayden Lindsay caught a touchdown his first of the season. Um Hamilton and Tariq Bracey led the team in tackles with eight apiece. Uh Bo Bauer uh did pretty well. Adeo did pretty well. Sean Crawford gets the first interception of the season for the Irish. Um special teams was a little rough. Bauer got a unsportsmanlike conduct or a personal foul penalty um Lawrence Keyes muffed a punt um but aside from that I think it was a a pretty uh ex- you know you can uh you can live with this effort uh all things considered and yeah Jordan Travis at quarterback don't know how he was third string because he was looking really good for Florida State um who knows they might actually win against an FBS team with him at quarterback at some point um but we're going to put that in the rearview mirror. It's on to Louisville this week. So I will let Charlotte kick us off with a preview of the Cardinals offense.
1: Yeah, so um, this is kind of, there's a few different things going on here. One, this is a very different Louisville team than we saw last year. Um, in some ways they have very much underperformed. They exceeded expectations last season coming off a two and 10 season, end up going eight and five, even took Notre Dame um, into the third quarter, at least for that home opener. This year they are one and three. They've struggled to close out. They had an ugly loss to Georgia Tech, actually. They played Pitt close, um, but it didn't go their way. And uh Malik Cunningham, their quarterback, ended up throwing for three interceptions against Pitt. So there's that. Um at the same time, this is actually a team that I think will match up against Notre Dame better. They, you know, they only have one quarterback as opposed to Florida State, which you had to prep for three different quarterback options. There's definitely, they kind of run a more traditional pass-first offense with the option to run. So Malik Cunningham, as I mentioned, has been their quarterback since the start of the season. He's passed over 300 yards in the first two games. He definitely has the ability to use his feet, but kind of likes to keep it in the air, which I think will favor the Notre Dame secondary. They've looked pretty strong. Um, The run defense was really where I think there's still some room for improvement as we saw against Florida State, but, uh, and then they also, it's, Tutu Atwell, Atwell. I don't know, Hayden. How do you say his last name? I say it right.
0: Tutu Atwell. Um, if you want to yeah. get real frisky, you can call him by his real first name, Chitarius. But uh,
1: yeah. I'll I'll keep from getting frisky. <laughs> Maybe we could remove that one from from the podcast. Um, anywho, he's definitely like more of their leader on the receiving core. But one person I think to look out for that. Notre Dame defense will have to mark, especially in the red zone, is Marshawn Ford? He scored touchdown every game except for Pitt. He was second-leading receiving scorer last season. Um, so definitely has the ability, once you get in the end zone, to convert there. Um, but, yeah, so this is a very different team, totally different quarterback than what you saw last year. John Pass was their quarterback until he went out with turf toe two games into the season. Ever since then, they've totally changed their – strategy still think this team has some maturing to do as evidenced by you know those three losses two of which were very much within striking against good teams but definitely have some of the skill sets to give Notre Dame some trouble in ways that I think their other opponents haven't
0: yeah it's uh Louisville came into the season with a lot of hype um va- uh, yeah vaunted offense Scott Satterfield, seen as this guru, and the uh, defense was rough last year, but they expected them to take a leap forward, and they've really taken a step, but two steps back, um, possibly more. Um, and to talk about the defense, Ellen.
2: So certainly much to be desired on the defensive side for um, Louisville they are giving up an average of 34 and points per game so they're not dead last in the ACC in that category um but they are 12th out of 15 um have given up um 17 touchdowns and seven field goals in in their four games so far um obviously one in three um their that only win came against um Western Kentucky I think um yep. so much much to be desired they only had three three starters depart in the offseason so this is a a pretty veteran core and they have the same defensive coordinator as they did last year Um, but they're definitely going to need guys to step up in a bigger way if they want to have success against Notre Dame so their their most notable guys are Dorian Etheridge and CJ Avery who are um, their two leading tacklers those guys are both linebackers Um, Etheridge has two sacks on the season Um, And then another linebacker to watch for is Monty Montgomery, who also has two sacks um, for 17 total yards. Um, So overall, since they're returning so many guys, they should have a better sense of the pieces coming together this week. Um, But generally, things have looked pretty abysmal on the defensive side the the first four games.
0: Yeah, I think abysmal is a fitting word. Although that might not do it justice, it's really incredible just how incompetent a one team can be on defense um, at a power five level. Um, and we'll get into our predictions. Um, but there was a lot of news um, with regard to college football, and I will let Jimmy uh, have us uh, guide us around the college football scene. So, Jimmy, what do you got?
3: Um, yeah. So it's a huge week for weekend for college football and. Got a lot of crazy developing stories going on right now in the SEC with uh, Florida LSU being postponed and both uh, Nick Saban testing positive prior to their matchup against number three Georgia. So you, you know, SECs you got some big marquee matchups moving around this weekend, and he, you know. He's, I won't get too much into that because we don't know what's going to happen with this Alabama Georgia matchup, but um, some other, some other big matchups You got Clemson and Georgia tech, uh, you know, Georgia tech just beat Louisville 46, uh, 27, I believe. So that's going to be a big game to kind of see where, where they're at uh, heading into their matchup against Notre Dame in a couple weeks from now. Uh, and then, yeah, Number five, North Carolina at Florida State. That'll be interesting to see as well how uh, that Florida State offense and defense fares against uh, Sam Howell in that North Carolina offense. And then uh, some other big games, uh, number 11, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. I think that's going to be a pretty good game. And then uh, Boston College at uh, 23rd ranked Virginia Tech. So, yeah, it's going to be a big weekend for college football.
0: I like that. I'm going to have my eye on that. Um, BC-Virginia Tech and also Pittsburgh versus Miami. Um, See if Pitt is really crumbling after a two-game skid. See how legit Miami is and see if Boston College is legit with Phil Dracovic at quarterback. Uh, With that, um, quick look at other Notre Dame sports, uh, men's soccer, uh, picked up their second win of the season over Syracuse this past weekend. Uh, goal early on by uh, for Jack Lynn, and then they held on for the rest of the contest. Um, now two and two on the year, uh, one and one in the ACC, and uh, so it's tougher this year because the ACC is limiting a number of spots in the uh, the postseason tournament. But uh, they're fighting for it. Uh, women's soccer has rolled off. Three straight victories, um, all of them shutouts. most recently against Boston College and Syracuse. Uh, Kiki Van Zanten uh, really playing well for them. And uh, <laughs> wins over the Orange just keep coming because volleyball beat Syracuse in their most recent matchup, too. They got a matchup with Pitt coming up, very rich uh, volleyball tradition. They've been highly ranked the last few years. Um, always a problem for Notre Dame, it seems like. Um, And yeah, uh, I think the ACC championships are fast approaching for track and field too. But um, that's our look at other Notre Dame sports. So we'll get into the segment of Basement Breakdown, fact or fiction. Does anyone want to kick us off this week? Okay, I got one. It's more philosophical, more abstract, I guess. And it's based on like, What I've been hearing from like other media, like football podcasts, talking about Notre Dame and whatnot, Um, fact or fiction, the success of this season all depends on the Clemson game. And you can go a few different ways talking about that, but I want to hear what you guys think.
2: Do you mean the first Clemson game, like the in-season game, or the theoretical conference championship
1: Clemson
0: Let's Let's do with the one we know – I mean, we don't know anything with COVID, but, like, we assume is going to happen November 7th.
1: I think very much fact because for a few reasons. I hadn't even thought about the conference championship, but I think if you win one game against Clemson and even if you lose – in the conference championship, that proves you're legit in the sense that you can, right now it's a legitimacy problem. All anyone remembers is three to 30 Dallas and thinks that just Notre Dame is simply not in the same league as Clemson. I mean, it wasn't even close. I think part of it is showing that you can keep things competitive. um, And that really means winning. I think losing close means something, same way it meant something in Georgia, but not enough to tip the scales so i think you got to win one of those two i think our season is severely weakened um so i think for the sake of the season it's a big game i also think notre dame time and time again has proven or has not proven that they can close out those games i can't think of a game yeah michigan two years ago was a big deal but michigan didn't turn out to be all that they were um so i think notre Dame desperately needs a win against a premier program this way they really need it against Georgia they kept it close enough that they're staying in this conversation but at this point a win is essential
2: I'm gonna say fact also and I'm gonna go off of the point that Charlotte made and it's that like what else do we have this season what is a win against North Carolina going to mean something like that's going to show that we're one of the top five, six teams in college football. Like that doesn't mean anything with these games being gone with our stru- our schedule being completely restructured. We just have such every, some of these games like the Clemson game, game just has so much more weight and clout than it did the beginning of the season when we had like USC and Stanford and even like Navy on our schedule like these storied programs that like a win against them means something like Charlotte said and so I think like we have no history with North Carolina like it doesn't really mean anything if we beat like what Georgia Tech so I think that it has to all right on the Clemson game and that, yeah that's really like the way that Notre Dame can make make the jump into the next year of college football is by like proving that they can compete with a team like Clemson.
3: Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Um, I say facts as well. I think, I mean, it's crazy to think we're, we're all 20 years old. This is probably one of the biggest games that's going to be played in Notre Dame stadium. So, I mean, y- you can't lose, you can't lose that game, that first game, in my opinion. You need to win to, to prove that you're, you can, you can run with those guys. And um, up until this point, they just, they've just never been able to do that. And, you know, if you, if you really want your name up there with those, those, those big names like Nick Saban, Alabama and, all these, all these elite programs, you, you, need, you need a win like this. And uh, unfortunately for Notre Dame, they don't have Wisconsin or any of those, those other games that they lost with their, their prior schedule this year. So, they, I mean, this Clemson game has a lot, a lot of weight and a lot of gravity. So, yeah, fact.
0: All right, before we get to the next person, um, you all sort of mentioned this. I just want to follow up real quick. Let's say we did have our original schedule. Wisconsin, USC are both on there. Does that change any of your opinions, or does it all come down to Clemson still in that scenario?
2: No, it changes my opinion. I think if you win against a really good Big Ten championship caliber Wisconsin team and lose in a close game to a Clemson team, then, like, that doesn't ruin your season and you can still make a New Year's Six. You probably won't make the playoff. But you might if you still beat Clemson and well, I guess in that world we wouldn't be in a conference championship. But I, I think that – I think it changes the answer because these other games are, in my opinion, meaningless um, as compared to what we would have been competing against in
1: our other life. I agree. That definitely keeps us in the conversation, kind of salvages the season. I think not so much that it – hurts if you lose to Clemson because Clemson's a very good program I think a win over Clemson would do I think you would gain a lot from it just not just in the season but I also just think going forward it's at this point that Notre Dame kind of for recruiting purposes if anything kind of has to prove that they can hang with these teams that they're supposedly you know every year they kind of emerge on the rankings with so I do think that having a USC, even Stanford, although they've kind of had down moments, Wisconsin, having them on a schedule would, you could survive a loss to Clemson and make New Year's Six, New Year's six Bowl or whatever, but I think you would, I think the Clemson game still has far more weight than any of those games.
0: I, I see where you guys are coming from. Honestly, though, I've, like, let's say, like, you went... 11 and 1 in the old scenario and lost to Clemson or you went 10 and 2 beat them and then lost to like Wisconsin and USC honestly I'm very tempted to say that the 10 and 2 season is more of a success than the 11 and 1 just because you finally got over the hump and you have this like you know this this narrative that Brian Kelly can't win a big game which he hasn't since he beat like Michigan State in 2013 and they ended up like number five or something but they weren't at the time so like I like I I I see where you're all coming from I just think that like it's always been Clemson and it's always going to be Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama until Notre Dame beats one of those teams yeah it, I agree with you
3: Hayden right uh i I think like they they circle that game at the beginning of the year and they just go like week to week, just with that in the back of their minds that whatever game like this this is this is all leading up to something that's going to come to fruition eventually and it just just never does unfortunately.
0: Okay, Uh yeah, and that's a debate that I'm sure would get a lot of people fired up, but we'll move on. Does anyone else have a fact or fiction for us? All right, Ellen's giving me a thumbs up. So what you got?
2: Okay, fact or fiction, Ian Book rushes for more than 50 yards. And keep in mind, in Duke and um, USF, he rushed for less than 10 yards. But then last week against Florida State, he had used his legs a lot more and rushed for 58.
0: He actually got a couple of running backs this year. He's hitting the ball off a lot more. It's Louisville's defense. Honestly, I'm going to say under I think they don't need him to run the offensive line looked really good against Florida State also shout out Liam Eikenberg for going back in the game with that bruiser of a black guy and just mauling that Florida State defensive line so yeah I think the running backs are going to get the majority um maybe book gets like a quarterback sneak or a little outside run keeper on the goal line but yeah under 50 um that's what I'm gonna say
1: um just for kicks, I'm gonna say he gets over 50 yards. I think he's gonna have like a few big scramble plays, pick up 15, 20 yards here. Run, he'll do one of those things where he like gets out of the pocket and runs down the sideline, like dodges a few tackles, and I think he's gonna get to 50. Not a very, not a very uh, detailed analysis, but I'll leave it at that.
3: I think that's a good line. Um, he's got, he's got two great running backs in Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. Uh, I. I want to agree with Hayden and say that he that he doesn't need to he doesn't need to run for fifty yards. Um, so yeah, I will. So uh, under.
2: Okay, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over fifty yards, with the caveat that I hope it's under because I. As you guys know, I'm obsessed with him not running the ball. He's not a dual-threat quarterback. He has no business using his legs. There are other people that are far more capable of getting yards on the ground than he is. So I'm going to say fool me once. I say under. Fool me twice. I say over. So I'm going to take the over and hope it's done.
0: You sound somewhat like the inebriated fan behind me at the game. Who on that final drive of the first half was saying, "Bro, don't run the ball. If we wanted to run the ball, we would have kept Wimbush."
2: Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm inebriated right now, and you guys have no idea. So I guess we'll just leave it
1: at that. Pre-gaming the podcast—that's a move. Yeah,
0: this is the the Observer's independent is the Observer's <laughs> an independent student-run newspaper. Just want to stress that the university does <laughs> not condone us drinking ahead of these activities. So um, I don't know if they condone these activities in general, but
1: um I'll go next. Tommy Trimble's gonna be the leading receiver.
0: That's your fact?
1: That is my fact. Fiction, sorry,
2: Shar. Tight end's not as reliable as it used to be.
0: I wouldn't go that far. Um I think that we've seen we're seeing the emergence of a better receiver in uh, Javon McKinley now. Um, And Braden Lindsay's getting there ever so steadily. They're using Tommy Trimble a lot as a blocker in the run game. Um, I want to say it's a fact just to reward Trimble for all he's doing. But realistically, I I think it's fiction. I do not think he'll be the leading receiver. Uh, Yeah. What do you got, Jimmy? In yards? Uh, I mean do you do you think Trimble's gonna be the leading receiver or not?
3: In the yards or like uh yes. t- oh, um, yeah. no. Uh I I like what Tommy Reese is doing with his offense. It's it's really starting to come together. You can you can really kind of start to see what he's trying to do with the talent that he's he's working with. And I really like what he's doing with that two tight end set. But um, I don't, I think he's he's he'd be foolish to um, look past those athletic receivers and Javon McKinley and Brayden Lindsey like um, Hayden was talking about. Uh, I he, I could definitely see him getting some targets in the red zone, but um, I I don't see him leading in receiving yards.
0: All right, Jimmy, you got one to wrap us up.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so. I think you touched on this earlier, Hayden, the the special teams woes last game against uh, FSU. That's kind of like something, a uh, theme that we've seen, like just in football in general, in the NFL uh, as well. So um, I'll go, uh, I'll, I'll target Jonathan Door here. I'll, I'll say he's going to miss one inside of 40.
0: Um, You all could not see Ellen just got ecstatic on the Zoom conference. This
2: is because every single time last year, every single week, my fact or fiction would be fact or fiction, John Doerr misses a field goal, and you guys would always roast me for hating on him. And then last week, anybody want to tell me what happened with John What for a field goal? Anybody want to (laughs) say?
1: Yeah, he missed (laughs) a field goal. I'm still confused because I was convinced he made that like truly i i still i need to see the replay on that because it a, so to win
0: if for. it was five yards it was a 45 yarder had a little hook to the left if it was like five yards closer it would have been in ellen to be fair you just you're over the like you keep hammering this whole point home jonathan door held the door for you and Deepart, didn't he i mean he seems like a nice guy
2: I'm sure he's a very nice guy. I have no qualms with his personality.
1: I just I feel like we're grasping at straws over this. Like I feel like there's been like a few minimal interactions and we're targeting Ellen on it.
2: Yeah, I, I it has nothing to do with who he has as a person. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. But in terms of his kicking ability, I just again much to be desired. Like I, I just
1: okay. if I you're know watching, we've just dedicated a portion of our podcast entirely to whether you are a good person or not. And the verdict is that you're a good person.
0: We love you, John. Um
1: Congratulations.
0: okay, time out on that, he's not reliable or whatever you said. Jonathan Doerr was 17 of 20 on field goals last year. That ties the most makes John or Justin Yoon had in a single season of 17. It's also a better percentage at 85% than all but one of Yoon's seasons as kicker at Notre Dame. And Doer has not missed an extra point since his very first extra point attempt against Navy in 2018. He was 57-57 of 57 last year, and he's perfect this year. I doubt that he misses one inside the 40 after he's already missed two this season. Then again, kickers are weird. But I'm going to have some faith in him, and I'm going to say fiction. He does not miss one inside the 40 against the Louisville.
2: I suppose I will say fact because I think I just established my brand and I can't go back on it. And my only supporting comment will be that I have Rodrigo Blankenship on my fantasy team, so I have high expectations.
0: Don't talk to me about this fantasy league. Just don't. Hey, and
2: it's me. only because I'm wiping the floor with you um, that you don't want to talk about it. So everyone's
0: wiping the floor with me. I've got my my record's the same as Louisville right now. It's pathetic. But yes, what Jimmy Charlotte? What are you guys' takes on this? Jonathan Dower, not the fantasy league.
3: Well, I watch the Pat McAfee show every day, so I I think of myself to be some somewhat of a kicking expert. So, um, you know, I didn't I didn't see the angle of the hold of that kick that he missed last Saturday, but. It didn't look pretty. It just it just had a little hook on it, but it didn't look pretty. I didn't like it. And you know, like Hayden said, kickers are weird. And you know, we've seen a lot of stuff this year in the NFL as well with kickers just being weird. So I, I mean, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Jay Bramblet screwed up a hold and he, he missed Jonathan Doherty misses a kick inside of forty. So. I'll, I'll say fact.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go fact. Is this the first one he's missed all season?
0: Second. He's 3 of 5
1: now. Okay. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to score a lot. So I think I'll have... I mean, that's extra points, which will be... But I think they are going to get down into the red zone a fair amount. And he's going to have a fair amount of opportunities. And I think that after he's missed that one last weekend, he might be in his head a little bit. So I'm going to lean towards missing one.
0: All right. Well, with that out of the way, um, let's get into predictions, shall we? Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and kick us off. Uh, looking at Louisville, it all comes down to offense and defense. And uh, the defense has taken uh, more of a step back than the offense has taken forward. The offense might have taken a step back, in all honesty, um, only scoring 20 points against Pitt, having a terrible turnover margin uh so i think it's pretty cut and dry um i wouldn't go so far as to say what dan rubenstein of the solid verbal podcast said that louisville is bad at football um but they're certainly bad at defense and i think notre dame with the way their offensive line is playing the way tommy reese is calling it is just going to ground and pound them and beat them into submission uh so i've got notre dame winning 48 to
1: 21 i think louisville is gonna score louisville i can never say it correctly i'm sorry i think they're gonna score more i think it's gonna be 42 26 is that even a
0: that's what the score was this past game so
1: okay well i'm gonna stick with that and maybe that's why i was thinking of those numbers um Still think Notre Dame's going to come out of it. I think last game, there was a lot of momentum, in part from the crowd. I was actually pretty impressed. It felt like the energy in the stadium was a lot better than it had been the previous two games, partially the night game, partially being Florida State. So I think they're going to come into some momentum. But Louisville gave us some trouble last year early on. I think they give you some different looks. They've got – they're not as deep as other teams, but they've got certainly some – Talent um, concentrated. So, if those guys stay healthy, I think they'll keep it competitive through the first half, and then Notre Dame will eventually wear them down. So, twenty six forty
3: two. Yeah, I agree with you, Charlotte. I think that Louisville is is um, you know they had so much hype at the beginning of this season, and they just kind of fizzled out. And uh, I I think they have the the key the the components there to really really produce something but it it just hasn't worked out the way they've wanted um i i I think i agree with you i think it's going to be a like it's kind of similar to their matchup against Louisville last year they might catch them off guard at the beginning i i I don't know it's just weird notre dame football (sighs) but uh I think I think they keep it a low scoring game on both sides I'll say uh 31-14 Irish.
2: I'm going to I'm going to say I think I'm going to say 45-24. Yeah, 24 because I think last week we spent about 60 minutes of the basement breakdown absolutely wrecking Florida State and saying how horrible they were and that they weren't going to have any productivity and it was just gonna be an absolute beat down. And then it wasn't close, but it was certainly closer than we thought it was gonna be, especially in the first half, it was a little bit more competitive than I think any of us anticipated when we thought that Notre Dame would just come out and completely steamroll. So I'm gonna be a little bit more careful this week, even though I do think Louisville is pretty much equally bad. They're 14th in the ACC, which is tied for last. Um, but I do think that they'll put up a couple i touchdowns. I'm, maybe two, three touchdowns and a field goal. But I think Notre Dame will put up maybe more like five or six touchdowns and a field goal.
0: All right, there you have it. That is this week's episode of the Basement Breakdown. And much to Aiden's chagrin, we made it out without anyone trashing me for Turkey Bowl takes. Well, Aiden's a
2: horrible quarterback.
0: uh Uh-huh. So uh, that will do it for us. On behalf of Charlotte, Ellen, Jimmy, and Aiden, my name is Hayden Adams, and this has been the Basement Breakdown.